Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of We Podcast and We Know Things. My name is Greg Hall. I am joined by Ryan Cunningham, and we have a very special guest for today's bonus episode. Uh, coming to us live via the telephone, uh, Nigel Bach, the director of the Bad Ben Trilogy, available now on Amazon Prime and BadBedMovie.com. Nigel, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us today. I appreciate you guys inviting me on. Hello, Greg and Ryan, and hello, everybody listening. Uh, you can find Nigel on Twitter at Nigel Bach and also at Bad Ben Movie on Twitter. Uh, again, Nigel, you're the director, the writer, everything for the Bad Ben trilogy on Amazon Prime. Could you tell us a little bit about the franchise? Well, as the guy that wrote it, directed it, and did everything, I can tell you this for sure: the director is an asshole. <laughs> nobody, no, nobody wants to work for him. Um, sure, let me tell you a little bit about how this came to be. Is that where you'd like me to start? Sure. Bad Ben, I had produced commercials locally for Comcast Spotlight for a few years, but down where I live in southern New Jersey, nobody really had the budget to spend money on commercials. But I had all this video equipment, and I also used to write screenplays. Well, people always used to tell me I should make my own movie. What people don't understand is just because you own a camera doesn't mean you can make Avatar. So I had a limit. I had to make something that I actually had the capabilities of doing with what I had. And I did some research and I saw that these found footage films were big. So I decided that would be the direction I'd take because the equipped found footage films, as you know, have a certain look to them that's amateurish. So I could do something like that. So that's how I came up with uh, the plan to do a found footage film, and Bad Ben was born in a little bit of an unusual way. Originally, for anybody that has seen the films already, and you gave all the places to check them out, um, I had originally had planned on having a cast of five people that were in a house, and weird stuff was going on. Well... The one problem with where I am in southern New Jersey is we're not an entertainment mecca. So you can't exactly find actors easily. But I did find five people, and one by one, as the shoot time in, in May of 2016 approached, they dropped out. So what wound up happening was I had one person left, a female actor. And it was a Thursday when I was driving home. And I get a text message from her that she's moving to L.A., can't be in my picture, sorry, good luck. So I I look at the phone, I'm staring at this phone, driving home in the pouring rain, and I just say, shit, and I drop the phone. I give up, drop it on the passenger seat. And then after about 30 seconds, I say, you know what? And I just pick up the phone, I start recording myself, and I say, here I am driving home from a sheriff's sale from the house I just bought at a sheriff's sale on Steelmanville Road. And I pull in my driveway and I show the house and I say, not bad for a sheriff's sale, huh? Well, that decision that I made in those 30 seconds to go it on my own uh, and picking up the phone and filming that done in one take became the opening to Bad Ben. And that decision to do that actually had quite a bit to do with changing my life, number one, and number two, with giving me the ability to encourage anybody that has a camera, if you can put something interesting together, 
you might want to consider what I did doing it yourself. And I know you get into that a little bit, and you have a 30-minute making of the trilogy on Amazon Prime. Again, suggest you all go watch that as well. Uh, but you, you, you kind of alluded to that uh, in the very beginning of that making of, and then you would mentioned you made the entire film for $300. Well, the film cost $300 to make, and through Amazon, which Amazon, the video direct program, is similar to YouTube. But if you have an option, I mean, some people make a fortune off YouTube channels. Don't get me wrong. But every television, every every mobile device has the ability to get the Amazon app on it and YouTube also. But when you're look, if you say to somebody, I have a film on YouTube, they're thinking you have a cat rolling on a piano or something. Or if you say I have a film on Amazon, they think you're. You know, you're a bigger deal, and at least I did, and it. So I used that platform, and yes, it cost me three hundred bucks. But with the payments and the bonuses, the first film got actually made thirty grand off of that film. Wow! And and you know what you you had you said with the bonuses of that film, Ryan and I laughed at that uh, because our favorite part of the entire trilogy, and you do it mostly in Bad Ben and some in Badder Ben. Is when you find the uh, you find a lawnmower out back and you go bonus. <laughs> we crack up every time. <laughs> I, I've gotten many people have comment on that. It's bonus and for the of, lawnmower and, and a bonus for the snowblower and yep. bonus for the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and there's one scene the where other, you the other line I seem to use a lot is you you got to be shitting me. <laughs> I use that line a lot. I get comments on. But, yeah, when you said the film costs $300 to make, the, everybody says, well, what'd you spend the $300 on, people ask. <laughs> well, usually it would be 50 bucks here or there to a friend that would come over and help me by pulling a string that would make a door shut or moving a piece of furniture or making a noise in another room. But 75 hours of that was, I had to buy, in the end scene of Bad Ben, I get drugged across the floor by a chain around my neck. Well, by whatever bad that is. And in order to do that, I had to get a harness like the person that climbs roofs and, and poles wear. And I went to Home Depot and it cost 75 hours. You think I'm doing commercials for these people. <laughs> but I get this, this harness on and my buddy drugged me across the floor and my face is all bloody and all. And I thought to myself afterwards, you know, I could return this harness and the film would have cost $225, but I got fake blood all over it, so I couldn't do that. <laughs> that's, that's really good. Now, for the folks that don't, uh, that haven't seen Bad Ben, uh, excuse me, Bad Ben yet, and don't really know much about it, could you just go a little bit into what the film is all about? Well, my character, Tom Riley, uh, I want to back up for one second. When I said that I, I started the film and decided to go it alone, one of the things I thought about was after I filmed that first scene and I get out, out of my van and I walk in the house, I'm saying to myself, who's going to want to watch a fat, bald, 50-year-old guy running around the house half the time in my underwear, getting the shit kicked out of me by whatever's in there? And so I had to put something together that, would, that I thought might have some sort of appeal. So my character, I named Tom Riley, and he has just apparently bought a house at a sheriff's sale, 
and he got the house way below market value, and he doesn't know why. And the moment he move, he comes into the house, almost as soon as he comes into the house, weird stuff starts happening. Furniture moving, doors opening and closing. He's hearing noises. And what he's done is his plan is to, he wants to break into flipping houses. And he thinks this is the first chance, this is a great bargain he got. He's going to just, you know, do a little fixing up and turn around and sell this house. But he's also put every penny he has into it. So when he gets in the house and these things start happening, he isn't going to give up and just, I mean, most people, that that's one of the comments people make a lot of times too. Why would he stay in the house? Well, he put every penny he had into it. He's not just going to leave the house. So he decides to stay and confront whatever's in there. And through the course of the film, he's, uh, he's dealing with a couple things, uh, something that seems demonic, something that seems like it might be ghosts, and something else that you don't actually find out about until the prequel, what it is. You don't actually find out what Bad Ben is until the prequel, but we'll go into that. So, I mean, honestly, assuming Bad Ben um, obviously is the, the one that's really kind of brought in a lot of your fans, which film do you receive the most feedback for, uh, positive or negative, from your fans? Well, hands down, I receive the most feedback on Bad Ben. Uh, and second is Bad or Ben. And third, in that, in that order, is Steelmanville Road. But I got to tell you, positive-wise, there's been both positive and negative, but you've heard of the silent majority, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think that the fans that just love the film, that comment on Facebook and all that, tend not to comment as often as some of the fans that don't like the film. Now, the film's rated, I mean, the, the reviews of the film on Amazon are, are pretty good. They're like up... Um, three out of five stars, or three and a half out of five stars, I think it is, bad, bad, which isn't bad, and some people absolutely love it, and other people hate it, and the objection I have to that is, if you were to have me review a romantic comedy, I probably wouldn't review it, because it's not my type of film, so you would have people that would stumble across this film that aren't into found footage films that might write something nasty about it. And then you have people that like found footage films that will just love it. And it's funny how the people that don't like it will write a review like, whoever said they like this is full of shit. They must be family members of the guy that made the film and all. Well, I don't have that many friends. So <clears throat> those people that liked it, they're not, um, they're not friends of mine. <laughs> but I did have something interesting happen in the very beginning when I put Bad Ben up. I had no idea how it would be received or how well it would take off. But this wound up getting me banned from Amazon, uh, meaning I can't comment. You can go make a comment on my film that you loved it, and I can't even say thank you anymore, and this is why. I had the first... The first five or ten reviews came in. They were five stars. People said, oh, this is great. I love it and all. And then came review number six. Mm. It's always the sixth one. This lady must have been having a terrible day. (laughs) She wrote, 
this is horrible. This is ridiculous. There's a reason why people have cast and crew and don't do it themselves. There's only one guy in this. This is ridiculous. She tore it apart. So I went and I looked at this lady's profile and I saw that in her wish list on Amazon, one of the things she had, or in her recent purchases on Amazon, I, I saw that she purchased wart cream. You know, warts. So I write a response back to her. I'm sorry I hated, or I'm sorry you hated my film. And good luck with your warts. <laughs> That's amazing. And she responds back to me, I'll have you know I have a great dermatologist. My warts are fine. So what? I, then what I did, I went back and, and I removed my comment. So what you see is a, a person that looks insane that wrote a review. She wrote, I hate this film. There's only one guy in it. And I have a great dermatologist. <laughs> my warts are fine. So she wound up looking insane when once I removed my comment. And anyway, it got me in trouble with Amazon. They warned me once. And then somebody else wrote a negative review, and I commented back. And they can write anything they want about you, but you're just supposed to be total happiness when yeah. you reply to them. So that got me in trouble, and it got me banned. I can no longer comment. <laughs> I even went so far as to write... Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, and uh, I was told, nope, you're banned for life. For so life. Like, well, oh. They won't ever let you back. It's no nonsense at Amazon. <laughs> that, that's, uh, there's no forgiveness. I mean, you can murder somebody and get out in 30 years, but Amazon, they ban you, you're banned for life. It's crazy because, so you know, what am I do? given the fact that, you know, we have a similar thing where we have an outlet you know that we put out there in the world for the podcast and we have to get similar feedback as well both positive and negative from people that like it people that don't i mean quite frankly just like you we have a star rating as well so it's out there for people to put whatever you want and it is expected that if somebody says something negative about your podcast or your film whatever it may be your piece of media your little corner of the internet that you've carved out you have to take the feedback in stride and you have to be the bigger person. I'll tell you right now, though, your story makes me want to do the opposite because that is some funny stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, outside of being banned well, from... Oh, you're sorry. supposed to do what you just said, but right. I, I'm, I'm kind of an asshole. And when somebody... You know, if somebody... I can take... One of the things people have liked about my responses is how I tend to be a little bit, I guess for lack of a better word, sassy. When people, somebody on, on Facebook wrote a comment like, this looks stupid. And I responded, it is stupid. And he writes back, best answer ever. And then he goes and watches it and he gives it a five-star review. Yep. So they kind of they like the back and forth. But one of the problems, like I said earlier, a person that stumbles upon the film that's not into found footage films, well, see, people sit behind their computer with the anonymity they have, and they feel a certain sense of power that they can write anything they want because they wouldn't say that, right? They wouldn't say, Greg and Ryan, your podcast sucks. They might, but if they're standing right in front of you, they're probably not going to say that. But when they're sitting in their parents' basement, and they put down the PlayStation control for a minute, and they're on the computer typing a review. They feel the power to write whatever they want. And that's some of the people. But I also, 
the Van Den fans are pretty funny and pretty loyal because while I can't comment anymore on Amazon, they can. And when somebody might give a negative review or a review that's not a, you know, that's not accurate, they will attack them. And I've actually got to send the messages through Facebook to say, you know, they're entitled to their opinion. Leave them alone. <laughs> now, I focused a lot on the negative, some of the negative reviews, and the negative reviews are few and far between because most of the review has been positive. It's just all of us look. Somebody can tell you you look great. And I've never heard those words from anyone. But somebody <laughs> could say you look great, and you might be like, thank you. But somebody could tell you that, oh, you know, your your pants are a little too short. And then <laughs> that's what you focus on. So yeah. I just tend to focus on the negative. But I could care less, you know. I, I made, Liberace was one time made fun of for his persona. Um, and he said, I'm crying all the way to the bank. So I made a film for three hundred dollars that earned me thirty thousand. So anybody that doesn't like it doesn't have to watch it. But yeah. I've had a blast with the people that have watched it and have liked it. I've got great fans. I love doing Facebook live broadcasts with them. I love responding to them. It's uh, it's seriously a dream. I I never dreamed I'd be doing this, and I'm having a blast doing it. Yeah, I mean to be honest, like you were saying, actually, how we even stumbled across. Um I mean, the trilogy, honestly, was me and my wife, like, on a Friday night, we're just, like, we we, were, we love horror movies, both, you know, good ones that are maybe you see, like, uh, in theaters, even if they're good or bad, or just, like, looking up on Netflix and finding, like, a really crazy spoof kind of campy, horror, campy kind yeah. of guy. Um, and my wife was just kind of right. scrolling through Amazon Prime. We get a bunch of them on there, and she's just like, oh, this one's got good reviews. You want to watch it? And we went for it. Um, and obviously, and I would wanna, as soon as I watched that, Greg here, who is not as much of a horror movie fan buff himself, I was like, this is absolutely perfect. This is 1,000% something that you need to watch. Um, so then we had a bunch of friends that actually watched it, and religiously were awaiting both Steelmanville Road, the prequel, and um, and Better Ben, the, obviously the, the final conclusion of that trilogy. So I can say that the, the rating does matter. Um, it does kind of it catches your eye, and you're like, oh, let me read this, and then we, you know, Oh, it's you know based in Egg Harbor, um, which obviously isn't that far from where we're at. Um, Egg Township. Sorry. Egg Harbor, Egg Harbor Township. Township. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah. an Egg Harbor City, and there's an Egg yeah. Harbor Township. Yeah, it was just that's the thing. It was just it was it, it definitely caught our eye. It was interesting, and it, I, I I think you're uh, to go to the next level. Obviously, is the the, the kind of the, the catchphrases that you have that are uh, that make your character definitely entertaining because you're just like well. Even if he's not scared, we know he's not going to be scared. We let's see how he reacts in this next scene. So it's it's I, like you said, you definitely have a following, um, and I think at this point, I think we're all pretty excited for obviously what's what's coming down next. And it's funny because Ryan, well, that, okay, sorry, go ahead. No, I I didn't want to cut you off, but it's funny because even I don't know a hundred percent what's next, and I just uh, I made a deadline that after the holidays. I'll make my decision. I mean, I have several plans, but something you might find interesting about Bad Ben at the, in general was when I started out making that movie, I was making a horror movie. And little did I know, once people saw it, they found it a comedy. They found it a horror comedy because I guess this Northeastern asshole attitude that I have... Um, and it's not, you're from here, so you know, 
what it's like. It's just that came across in the film, the sarcasm, the accent. I mean, you hear my voice. It's just they came across funny to people. And when I first showed it to a group of friends, the completed film, they were busting up when stuff was going on. Like, and I get, I had, I had a fan take a frame grab of me when I'm sitting on the couch. You know the scene with the music box where yeah. it jumps. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's what, uh, that, that's in my opinion throughout the whole trilogy. That is the scariest moment in the entire thing. Made up on the spot, I did that. But <laughs> afterwards, I'm sitting there and I'm talking to the camera and I'm saying, "This is more than an intelligent mind can comprehend." Well, somebody took a frame grab of me sitting on the couch, blew it up to poster size, put a bubble on it coming out of my mouth, like a cartoon bubble that says more than an intelligent mind can comprehend, and asked if they mailed it to me, would I autograph it and send it back to them? Well, I got to tell you, I have to imagine in my mind what type of person is on the other end of this email that's doing a frame grab of me, blowing it up, and wants me to autograph it. So I said, uh, sure. The only thing I never did was give him an address, so I've never got that posted. <laughs> if he listens to this podcast, uh, just know that your story is well-renowned. Uh, it's funny, too, because Ryan did, as soon as he got done that movie, he said, I have a movie for you. You have to watch it. It's called Bad Ben. And when he said the words, it's perfect, that's exactly what he texted me. He said, it's perfect in every way. It's right up my alley. Ryan kind of alluded to it. I'm not a huge horror guy, but I'm definitely a horror guy if it's campy, um, if it's meant in a, I don't like horror films that go for the uber serious tone that try to be horror. I like horror movies that are kind of self-aware. Uh, and I agree with you. You turned it into more of a comedy almost organically. But I noticed that in the Badder Ben promotion material, the, the third in the trilogy, you definitely marketed it as a comedy horror. Well, that's because I got my ass handed to me on the second film. <laughs> because after doing Bad Ben, I decided there was a lot of questions. Why are these... In the film Bad Ben, for anyone that hasn't seen it, it's uh, it's meant to be to come across as it's been shot on surveillance cameras throughout a home. And the question everybody had was, well, they had two questions. Number one, why were there all these cameras in the home? And number two, what was Bad Ben? Well, so, <coughs> excuse me, I did the prequel to answer those questions. And when I did the prequel, I tried to be serious because people found Bad Ben comical. And it was darker, and it had a cast that did a fantastic job and got my ass handed to me by the fans. They hate, they did I should say that Steelmanville Road has gone on to find its own audience, which is people that like something more serious, and that's found footage. But the fans of the original were not so happy with the prequel because it was so serious mm -hmm. and dark. It so that's why when I said, well, and it still did well, right. but not as good as Bad Ben. And that's what, when I decided to do Bad or Ben, I said, you know what? I'm going to embrace what they liked about the first one and do that in the third one. So in the third one, I combined kind of both. I had, I brought myself back from what appeared to be the dead. And I'm in it. And also I had a cast, which the cast was just of Bad or Ben was also fantastic. Two of the, the 
guy that played Schmitty, the cameraman, and Jackie, who was the paranormal investigator in that, they are actually a comedy sketch duo in Philadelphia. And they're just hysterical. They're so talented. They don't even... If they were to record half of what they do when they're on stage, uh, they would be making a fortune uploading it to Amazon because they're original, they're funny, and it was just, that was, the third movie was the most fun to shoot of all of them. Is that because it had more intensive CG? Or just because of the cast, because they were just so funny? There was, I could give you hours of outtakes from that movie. Not hours, but I could give you a lot of outtakes from that because they're just funny people. And in fact, in Bad or Ben, as I'm about three quarters of the way through the movie, I'm trying to, you know, do some promotional material. And the guy that played the cameraman, Schmitty, he, I noticed he's never on camera because he's holding the camera the whole time. I mean, he appears here and there, but he's got very little camera time. So if you remember the scene where after they get out of the basement, he sits down in front of the camera and he does like a little testimonial. And he reveals that his name isn't even Schmitty, but everybody just calls him that. Well, that scene, which was one of the funniest scenes in the entire movie, he made that up. Made the whole thing up, and we put it on there. Nice. And that allowed me to get his face on it. But they were just a fun group to work with. The, the cast of Steelmanville Road was great to work with, too. The only thing is, there the lack of popularity of that compared to the other two is not their fault. It was my fault for what I put together. And like I said, it's just a different type of movie, so it has found a different audience. But working with everybody involved in this project has just been, it's just been a lot of fun. When it com- Except for the people at Amazon that bandy. <laughs> when, when it comes to Steelmanville Road, I think what fans were expecting was more Tom Riley because it was a prequel. It, he still wasn't, he still wouldn't have been dead in the film based off of the end of Bad Ben. And what we got was, I, I believe it was a real life husband and wife, right? Yes. Um, and, yes, we, and we got them, Jessica. yeah, and we got them, and it was a more serious tone. And then all of a sudden, right in kind of the, I guess first third, kind of towards the halfway point of the movie, you drop one of the funniest scenes we had ever seen <laughs> in any movie with shit candle, which <laughs> right, which is so hey, good. Ian Mullen is uh, they belong to a theater group that's up in I want to say actually another Egg Harbor. It's called Little Egg Harbor. Manahawkin area, mm-hmm. Long okay. Beach Island, and Ian is uh, is a friend of theirs, and he's a talented actor, just like all of they were. And if you saw the outtakes, you saw how many it took us to shoot that thirty second scene. Took us, I probably have an hour worth of footage of that of him trying to get through shit candle. <laughs> <laughs> and you do you show all of those out or a lot of those outtakes on the 30 minute making of that's on prime right now so again just please go check that out uh, if you want to see it it's so good even just the reactions from both actors in the scene uh were really really good uh you said it got you about an hour of, of footage there how many hours a day do you think you would work on these films well typically when i'm working with other people we would shoot about four hours a night 
and out of those four hours, I would get somewhere between eight and fifteen minutes of the film done. So, in in and it was a little different with Bad Ben because in the first movie, where I'm alone in it, I might wake up at two in the morning and think, you know, this might be a good idea, and I. That's why he called me my underwear half the time in that movie, because <laughs> I'd hop out of bed and uh, I'd just go out there and I'd shoot a scene in my house or outside of my house. Um, in the other ones, it had to be more arranged because I had people coming to be in it, the cast members. Mm-hmm. And we would shoot for an average of three or four hours a night, which would get us about 15, anywhere between eight and 15 minutes. And in the case of Bad Ben, I did it over a couple weeks. Uh, in the case of Steelmanville Road, it took a couple months because I had to get the cast here. And uh, but Bader Ben took a little less time, but it still it only took about ten nights to film. What about like the editing process? <clears throat> the editing process is uh, just me, and I, I made fun of people sitting in their basements writing reviews. And <laughs> that's where I sit and edit in my basement. Um, but the editing process took. Probably, I see, I, I had a habit of, as I would shoot, I would edit. In the case of the first film, I was making shit up as I went along. In the first film, I shot the, the beginning scene where I pull up to the house, and then the next scene I shot was the end scene where I'm drugged down the stairs. And then what I did was I connected the dots. I had to get from that beginning to that end. I was kind of making shit up as I went along there. Um, Steelmanville Road had a script to it. Banner Ben had a script to it. But what I would tend to do is every time I'd shoot, I would then edit like the next day or two. So to take and shoot four hours one night, the next day I would probably assemble it and wind up getting like, you know, 10 or 15 minutes would take me probably about, four or five hours to do. Uh, that's, I mean, that's awesome. I, I guess just shifting gears a little bit, I know you were talking about how um, you want to inspire other people to, you know, if, if you have ideas in terms of filmmaking, um, beyond just having equipment that you should just go out and do it, that you're a good example of that. What did you do before filmmaking? Just so people really understand that this was just a, you know, something that was a hobby of yours before. Um, and obviously is now something that you really made, you know, for yourself. Many years ago, like a hundred years ago when I was born, (laughs) I uh, started by, actually in high school, I took a video production course, and I took that for like three years. And then after high school, I went to college for a year, and I really didn't like it, although I did eventually finish my degree. But I joined the military, actually the Air National Guard. So for 17 years, I was in the Air National Guard, and I I won't get on a depressing story, But I went from the lowest enlisted rank to earning a commission, and I was an officer, and I was three years short of retirement when I was asked. I'm not going to have a traditional background, if that's what you're thinking. (laughs) I uh, was was asked to wiretap three individuals that had filed discrimination complaints against the wing commander. And I refused to do it. And there was a reason I refused to do it. I wasn't being a bad military member. It was because one of the members was uh, the inspector general, which, same as attorney-client privilege, you can't, you can't share their information. It's, it's considered secret. Well, they, um, 
they got on me on that, so I was forced out. And at that point in 2003, um, I, I resigned. Let's put it that way. They, nobody fired me. I resigned. But at that point in 2003, I said, I will never, ever, ever put my destiny and my future in, in somebody else's hands again. Now, I'm not suggesting everybody out there quit their jobs and go working for themselves. But what I'm saying is at that point, because I was 40 years old, and I said at that point, I'm never going to be, you know, I put 17 years into this. I'm not doing that again. So because I had been doing some commercials for Comcast, and they were they would not be like a Pizza Hut commercial, you'd see. It'd be for like Joe's Pizza on the corner, and they would play in the local market areas. So because I started to do that, I had all the equipment, and I tried making it go, a go with that, but I was going broke fast. And I also was taking care of an elderly parent who uh, developed, over the course of 10 years, she developed dementia. And it, it, it's that's not a sad story. She had a wonderful life. And uh, at the end of that, like when she passed in 2013, I'm sitting there, what do I do now? Do I go try to, I'm not making any money doing commercials. Do I go try and get a job? Or, you know what? So I, I, I toiled around for a couple of years and then, in 2016, early, I, I did this. And the thing about it is, is you could, I mean, I tried to pitch, excuse me, <laughs> tried to pitch scripts like go the Hollywood route and stuff like that, but Hollywood fucking sucks. <laughs> First of all. You know, I like when you sugarcoat I, I, things. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, <okay>. obviously. <laughs> I, uh. That nobody's going to help you in Hollywood. Unless, of course, you go to Harvey Weinstein's scene and you're hot looking. But nobody's going to help you. Uh, what the, You try to get stuff. It's not what you know or what you have. It's who you know. Now, if you happen to be involved in like an amazing event like Sully was, who landed that plane you know, up there on the Hudson... That becomes, Hollywood comes to you, because it's an amazing story, and it's a true story. But if you are trying to create something, they just, it sucks trying to break in. So that's when, I, and that's what I did for those three years between when my mother passed and when I made Bad, Bad Ben. I tried pitching scripts. I tried to get somebody to take something of mine. And they won it for one of two reasons. Either what I wrote sucked, or... It just wasn't exactly what they were looking for at the time, so they passed. So I finally said, in the spring of 2016, I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'll, I'll become my own Hollywood. I'm going to do my own thing here. So I made my own film, and I didn't have to care what anybody thought. I mean, I had to care for, for it to be popular and earn me money, but I said, I don't have to answer to anybody when I do this, so that's what got me to do bad or bad then and because it did have an appeal and it was interesting people found it interesting that is why i encourage anybody that owns a camera and what you don't have to own a ten thousand dollar camera to do this uh, you just have to have a little basic knowledge of how to put it together and have an interesting story to tell 
I'm telling you, there's films like My Dinner with Andre. That, if I if I remember correctly, was all shot in a restaurant. Those two guys talking. And Reservoir Dogs, I take the most of that. That was only like two or three scenes, and it was in a warehouse. So in some cases, if you've got an interesting story to tell, you can be a talking head on screen, and people will listen, and people will watch, and people become captivated. So there's a lot of people, a lot of young filmmakers. And after I did this, and with the success it had, I got contact. I offered on the Amazon Video Direct page, Anybody who wants to know how I did it, contact me and I'll tell you. And I got I, I had to take that message down eventually because I was getting contacted by so many people. But these young, middle-aged and old filmmakers would show me stuff they did, and it's fantastic. But they just can't find a market out there, and they can't get the word out on what they're doing. Um out there to the world, nobody's giving them a break. So that's why I said you kind of got to take the bull by the horns and create your own thing, which is what I did. And you didn't even go to film school? Nope. The only thing I had was uh, two years of video production in in high school. I will tell you, as a kid, we had an 8 millimeter camera that never worked. It was broken when I had it, but I used to like it. I'm showing my age here. I was alive when the first Star Wars came out in 1977, I think. I had an X-Wing fighter that I used to hang from fishing string on a pole and hold the 8mm camera and have it fly past the screen in front. And I was excited about doing that. I was excited about doing film. But no, I never went, never had any formal training. And it probably shows if you watch my film. <laughs> well, we talked about yesterday when you and I were going over the questions. You had mentioned um, reverse engineering on a film. Could you just elaborate on, on that? Well, when everybody was telling me I should make a film using one of my screenplays because, you know, you have all the equipment. And like I said, they don't understand that just because you have a camera doesn't mean you can make a Hollywood blockbuster. And a friend one time told me, and I've heard this said since then, but the first time I ever heard this was from a friend, and he said, when the only tool you have is a hammer, you tend to treat everything like a nail. So when I got to the point that I was like, screw Hollywood, I'm going to do something on my own, I said, what should I do? Now, I'm not the biggest horror fan out there, but I said I knew the one thing I could do with the cameras I had, was something the quality of, like, a found footage film. So before I even started Bad Ben, I went online and I tried to see what was the most popular. And as you would probably guess, it was, like, Paranormal Activity and the Blair Witch Project. And I saw that they had huge audiences on Facebook. So when I made this film... I reverse engineered what they did to make my own thing. And also, I had to say, I have to write a film. Based, see, when you're blindly writing a screenplay that you're trying to sell to Hollywood, you can write all these elaborate scenes happening all these places with buildings blowing up and cars crashing. But in reality, if you're making that film, you don't have access to that. What I knew I had access to was my own house that I could use my own house. So I worked backwards from there and made a film that would work in my house. And going forward, 
when people ask me what's next going forward, I have to, before I write a script or a screenplay, I have to find a location. Once I find a location where this can be filmed, I write it based on the location and also based on the characters I can get and put together. Because the original idea I had before the cast dropped out had this young-looking, good-looking cast in it, and then I was left with me. So I obviously wasn't a young, good-looking cast. Don't tell yourself that. Come on, (laughs) The reality is that was a fat costume and a skin mask. (laughs) No one knows what the real Nigel looks like. Yeah, yeah, the image image you use is just your glasses and a kind of close-up on your eyes. We have no idea what, what you even actually look like in real life. A lot of CGI. Unless, but yeah, so I just, I basically, I take the tools that are available to me and work backwards from there to make my film. I, I, I guess, so maybe some of your fans would like to know in terms of what are some of your favorite films, um, whether it be horror or not horror, and whether or not they actually inspired I, you, of course, from what you do. I, I love Silence of the Lambs. Nice. Uh, but I also, from an, a different part of the spectrum there i i love my cousin Vinny. just watched it the uh that's within great. the past two weeks gotta be one of the funniest films ever made do you think they give uh, a shit I about like, what the motherfucker that shot you was wearing that's <laughs> one of the greatest lines in cinema my, history my favorite scene is that is in is when he tells her he's going hunting and she's sitting there talking about how the deer goes up to the brook and bends over to take a sip and bam, you blow its fucking head off. Um, but anyway. That's that's my favorite one, scene as well. Yeah. One of uh, my other favorite films is Hunt for Red October. I even read the book on that, which you won't find many books around here, but I read the book on that. It was great. Um, I could go on and on listing films, but I do like sci-fi. I also, I like a little bit of every genre, if it's done right. And, see, I'm one of these guys, when I watch a film, though, if you tell me, Nigel, you got to go watch this film, Bob Goes to Atlantic City. It's great. Then I have this expectation in my mind. I go see Bob Goes to Atlantic City, and I'm like, eh, it was okay. But if you tell me, Tom, Riley, Nigel, you've got to see this, uh, Bob Goes to Atlantic City. It's horrible. <laughs> then I'll go watch it, and I'll say, well, that wasn't so bad. So, you know, the, the bar being set? So, like, when somebody tells me a movie's great, that's why I'm like a guy that looks at reviews, too. But sometimes you got to read the reviews and not just the rating it got. Like, I think Tomato Meter is very unkind. I'm not rated on something like that, but I think that's very unkind to a lot of movies because... Some things get horrible reviews, and then you watch them, and they're not bad. Last night, I was looking. I thought one of the funniest movies I've ever seen was Paul Blart, Mall Cop, the first <laughs> one. And yet, that has like some horrible rating in the single digits or something. And I never would have watched that if I went just by the rating. So. I saw that in theaters. But yeah, my films <laughs> are all over the place. What you you said earlier in the in the in the interview that you are not a huge horror fan or horror guy. We talked about it yesterday a little bit. So, what are some of the other films in that genre, the found footage horror genre, that kind of helped you inspire, create the content that you do? Actually, 
what inspired me to do what I did, and first of all, I picked found footage because I knew it was something I could do. But in those 10 years I took care of my mother, I actually got surveillance cameras that I put in my home. I put cameras throughout the home so that when I wasn't home, I could see that she was okay. And I also had a home health aide taking care of her so I could keep an eye on them. And I often thought to myself through those years, you know, wouldn't it be, I mean, have you ever seen footage that's captured on a, a security camera that captures a crime or an event and just, or you're captivated by it, like a YouTube video, you keep watching it over and over again because you see, whether it be something horrible like a plane crash or somebody gets hit by a car, that's terrible, or just somebody on a skateboard trying to slide down a rail and they fall and they hit themselves in the nuts. <laughs> you just sit there and you just keep watching it over and over again. And like I thought to myself, with all these cameras in the house, I could basically, that would be an interesting film if something weird was going on and it was just captured by these security cameras. That also made it very easy to do special effects because when you have a, a camera that's moving, that's being handheld, or it's being panned by a camera operator, to insert a special effect in there is a lot more difficult than it is when you have a camera that's stationary. Because you could basically take two scenes, and in the making of Bad Ben, you'll see some of those times I, I, I use that technology to do that. If the camera's stuck still, you can take two scenes and overlay them and have two different things happening at two different times and combine them into one. But the basic inspiration for what got me to do this was the fact that I had so many security cameras in my home, which, by the way, anybody that comes to my house, just so you know, there's no longer any hidden cameras inside my house. I moved them outside because it was a little weird. You <laughs> have people come over and they're like, why do you got a camera in your living room? I said, well, you should see the three in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, actually, just going back to the making of the Bad Ben trilogy again on Amazon Prime, you, two scenes that stuck out to me where you used that technology uh, when you were making the films was number one, the scene where you in the ash where the words are being written, uh, and then the other one where you were being drug out from the basement by your buddy. You actually shot it where your buddy was pulling you uh, and then laid over the shot without him so it made it look like he wasn't in the scene. Right. It made it look like whatever bad Ben was, he was behind the wood stove and he was dragging me. And surprisingly, I mean, I was like about 230 pounds. And when I asked my buddy, do you think you can pull me? I, like, I'm thinking, you know, first of all, to lift 230 pounds is tough, but to drag it, how tough is that going to be? This guy drugged me like you and I would drag a bag of trash out to the garbage. <laughs> but yeah, that is where I put that together. I uh, I just cut him out of it. It came. I think that went together well. We agree. And, and you the just, ash, good. I'm sorry. The ash scene, same thing. I just took and I I wrote that not your home in the ash, and then I took it without nothing written in there. And because the camera was held still. When I did that, I was just able to just slide off one picture and reveal the other, and it made it look like it just wrote it there by itself. 
now we won't go into spoilers for any of the films outside of, I mean, we, we've definitely talked a lot about the plot, um, but we won't go into in-depth spoilers, but there, there's a lot of heavy CG in Badder Ben where we actually find out really what, what Bad Ben is. How did that even come to your mind? The name Bad Ben, the, the creature that it turned out to be, um, even in Steelmanville Road, the child, the demon child, like, where did that all come from in your mind? How did you come up with that? Uh, lots of weed. <laughs> Listen, I knew I knew we were going to get into the reality of it. But I'm, I'm only kidding. I don't. I look, I'll be perfectly honest here. Full disclosure, if anyone's listening, I tried it twice. It does really does nothing for me. But um, I I will probably I'll come up to Philly. We'll try it a third time. But anyway, um, but in answer to your question, how that came together, I am going to give a little bit of a, of a spoiler. Two things. Number one, at the end of Bad or Ben, I have my first and probably ever only nude scene. Um, but the other spoiler is what Bad Ben was. When I was, uh, so I'm going to give a little bit of a spoiler here, which you find out in Steelmanville Road. Bad Ben is the Jersey Devil. I hope you're not upset that I'm putting that out there, but when I was a kid, I was told, now I live in an area of Atlanta County, and the legend of the Jersey Devil occurred in a, a town called Leeds Point, which is right by a, another town called Smithville. But when I was a kid, my parents, used, my grandfather and my father told me that our great, 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 great uncle was the Jersey Devil. And the story of the Jersey Devil is that Mother Leeds had had 12 children and painful childbirth every time. She said the only way I would get pregnant a 13th time that God would make me go through this pain and suffering would be if Satan himself were the father, meaning that she was, you know, attacked. And she did get pregnant a 13th time. And she gave birth to this disfigured child that supposedly flew out the window and all. So that's the story. Many people have different versions, but that's the story of the Jersey Devil. And it, it roamed around, and there's been sightings of it. But it's like Bigfoot. You know, it's, it's a, a folklore, a legend. Of course well, it's related to you, by my, by my father and my grandfather that he was, uh, that I was a descendant of him. Well, <laughs> scared the shit out of me. <laughs> so here's the truth of it if you came down here come down with a your phone or a microphone go out walk around and you will find out that everybody you talk to was told they're a descendant of the jersey devil when they were a kid and it was parents trying to control us to get us in the house at night that is not <laughs> what i would awful. have expected yeah, they I, were I just scared us. So anyway, I always knew that story of the Jersey Devil. So that's what put that together. And I said, you know what? Let's have it where what he's dealing with is a descendant that's actually one of the Jersey Devils. And uh, that that's what Bad Ben was. And that gets explained in the prequel. And in the sequel, Badder Ben, and <laughs> you talk about campy and cheesy, <laughs> Bad Ben... We actually put him in it, and that was the same guy, the character that played Bad Ben, was the same guy that drugged me across the floor. And it looks cheesy as hell, but it was so much fun, and it was funny to do, and it was also funny, my character interacting with him, 
and then in the end, how he he kind of the bad bad Ben kind of saves the day. Uh, but as cheesy as it looked, it was fun. It was well received. And if I do do something more with some sort of creature in it, I will tell you, I've gotten a lot better at it with some of the things I found. <laughs> well, that's cool. Some of the programs nice. I found, so I could probably do something that looks a little better. Looking forward to that. Yeah, so I, I guess just a curious, obviously, I, I know a lot how you really assert a lot of your um, your fanhood from the fans that you have uh, was pushing through social media. So how did those films help, um, or how did your films propel through social media and develop the following that you did? How, how were you able to kind of generate that? Well, this is the number one secret I give to anybody that's a filmmaker that has made their own film. They all ask, because like I say, when I would go look at these people's films that they've done, they're fantastic. And my film, my film's fun. All three of them are fun. And they're, they're, they've got their captivating elements. But the quality of my film compared to these other films these people have done, it doesn't compare. Their films look much better, shot with much bigger budgets, much bigger equipment. But they just couldn't find their, their audience out there. And what I did, I discovered this amazing thing called Facebook ads. And when I talk about reverse engineering, I had done a little experimenting with Facebook ads for other things I've been working on. And they have such an ability to target an audience that, and to get results, if you have a web business, that it's, it's amazing and it's so affordable. So before I even started shooting Bad Ben, I went to see what pages out there existed for movies that had huge followings. Well, of course, Star Wars is in the millions, uh, Avatar is, but Paranormal Activity and Blair Witch Project had very large audiences, lots of likes for their pages. So I said, that's the type of film I'm going to do, and I'm going to target those audiences. And when you do a Facebook ad, all I did was upload the trailer to Bad Ben, and then I put together an audience. And when you select the audience, one of the options you have is choose people who also like, and I would select Paranormal Activity and Blair Witch Project as similar pages to my film. That meant that when the ad played, it would show up on those people's pages. And that's what drove my audience. Well, I expected, I got to tell you, I honestly expected I'd maybe over the course of the existence of Bad Ben make maybe a $1,000. And Amazon, by the way, pays you 15 cents an hour stream. Doesn't sound like a lot, but it adds up if you get a lot of viewership. So when I put my film up, I remember the night it appeared. I felt like huge. The night it appeared on Amazon, when I first was able to find it in the search. And it was watched 30 minutes the first day, which what that told me is is somebody didn't even watch the entire film. (laughs) Because it's 90 minutes long. But then the second day, it was watched like 1,200 minutes. I'm like, wow, that's like 14 people watched the whole film. And then before I knew it, there was a stretch. It was watched over 100,000 minutes a day for a long stretch. And even now, it's been, uh, in, since October 
of 2016 when I released the film to Amazon till today, the three films combined have been watched over 21 million minutes. And that's amazing to me. It's amazing and to it's us. Only been yeah. the, the only marketing has been by putting the trailers on the Facebook page mm-hmm. and boosting the posts to reach the audiences that I would. And of course, I'd do some tweaking along the way, but boost the post to get to audiences, to the audiences that like my type of film. And one of the problems some of these other filmmakers have made, they've made great films, but they really can't take advantage of that because their film might not be comparable to something else, or it is comparable, but they just don't happen to have a very large Facebook audience. Like, I've seen some great people. One guy made a film that I watched uh, last weekend because we were talking. He's writing a book, actually. Uh, he made this film called The Seven, which is on Amazon, uh, also available. And he, I said, what would you compare it to? Because I was telling him the formula I used. And he said, The Descent. It's about a group of high school students that go down into a system of caves and experience horror. Well, his movie was good, but he wasn't reaching an audience and I said, match it up to the followers of the of the descent, and of as above, so below. I think was another movie I saw that was like it, and he did. And hopefully, he's seeing results because that was when I talked about reverse engineering. I looked for an audience that existed on Facebook. I made a film for an audience that was there, and it would, and I was able to match the two together. It would be like if you're. Going, if you're 18 years old and you're trying to decide what to do in college, you, a lot, when I was younger, a lot of people, everybody was going for computer sciences. That's what everybody was going to college for, computer sciences. Problem is, five, ten years later, there's a whole bunch of people with degrees in computer science that aren't working because everybody's got a degree in computer science. So you got to take and you got to pick what, where the, industry's going and what's the future and basically what i did was i picked an audience that existed and i made a film based on that audience and it did me well five years from now that might not work and you talked about the power of social media your the bad ben social media pages facebook specifically is up over seven thousand likes and you do the the facebook lives all the time which by the way I uh, watched the recent one. My wife and I actually watched the recent one where you have the Santa hat on and a cigar in your mouth, which was just hilarious enough on its own. But you kind of hinted at it. You told a little bit of a story about a, maybe a potential idea you have and about an animated show. Could you tell us at least, if, even if it's not planned, just what that idea was all about and how you kind of came to that idea? Just like I said, was I was engineering, uh, reverse engineering for a paranormal audience to make my first film, I noticed that animation, like this, what is that, um, I'm going to sound stupid here, because I can't remember the name, something in Morty? Rick. There's a, Rick and Morty. Oh my God. I had some people here that were telling me about, oh, you got to watch this Rick and Morty, you got to watch this Rick and Morty. Things hysterical. It's not high quality animation, but the thing is hysterical. South Park is garbage animation. Absolutely genius comedy. It's our favorite. And then if you're, I mean, right, if you're into that kind of thing. But 
look at The Simpsons. What is it, 27 years? The other day I was listening to Hank Cazario on, on Howard Stern, and he was talking about how he's been doing his characters since 1990. That I remember The Simpsons were first a little cartoon that played for like a minute or two on a show called The Tracy Ullman Show. Mm-hmm. Remember that the was show? on yeah. Fox mm-hmm. like 30 years ago. And then they made their own series out of it. Mm-hmm. Now look at it. Yep. And so I said to myself, you know, these if it's funny and it's animated. And the appeal of that to me is because getting people that, unless you have a budget to pay people thousands of dollars to come be in your film, you're kind of at their mercy to their schedule and their availability. But when you do an animation, you don't need anybody. All your characters you create yourself. So because I, I like comedy, I might have a little, you know, a little flair for it. I thought to myself, if I was to make an animation that was comical, I could do this relatively easy without ha- I mean, relatively independent, I should say. It wouldn't be easy. So I've been thinking of some ideas and uh, a couple things I've written up. So that's a possibility, too. But i got to tell you, going forward here, people said, oh, they want a fourth Bad or Ben. Well, or Bad Ben. Well, Bad Ben run its course. Uh, so I did, as you saw, there was a tease. You might have seen there was a teaser on the Facebook page about doing Tom Riley Paranormal Investigator, which... Instead of making a movie, I would make 30-minute episodes, because you can also, on Amazon, upload series. I was thinking about making, uh, you know, where Tom Riley goes on to become a paranormal investigator on his own, and these are 30-minute, basically comical episodes of him dealing with different ghosts and stuff like that. But finding locations is a nightmare, to do that, finding places where you can actually shoot it. I found places, but they're not ideal. When I was using my own home, well, it was no problem because I could shoot whenever I wanted, do whatever I want. But when I have to find another place to shoot it, it's comp- it's complicated. So one of two things is going to happen. I'm either going to find a location that's so awesome that I say, instead of shooting a half an hour episode in here, this is worthy of doing a whole another 90-minute movie along the same idea, but it's not going to have the Ben creature in it, but it would be a haunted house that Tom Riley goes in and is dealing with in his comical ways. Or if I can find several locations, I'll wind up doing a series out of it. So that's why also thrown in the mix there is the idea of doing an animation because I could do an animated series, which isn't related to the Paranormal Investigator or it's not going to be Scooby-Doo. It's nothing like that. It would just be something comical else that comes to my mind. And you, you know, obviously, given the audience that you have on the Facebook page, um, the <laughs> fact that you interact at such a high capacity and often, you're on there a lot too, which is fantastic. And they're always for about a half hour at a time. We implore you all to go ahead and search out Bad Ben on Facebook so you can like that page. Follow Nigel again uh, at Nigel Bach and at Bad Ben Movie on Twitter. Nigel, before we wrap up, do you have anything else you kind of want to say or, or elaborate on and talk about? It just concerns me when I think that. You mentioned that I'm so active on social media, and basically that puts a picture in my mind of somebody 
that basically doesn't have a life. And all I do is sit there in front of my computer and on my phone on Twitter and Facebook. So I apologize to anybody that was expecting someone like Steven Spielberg when they brought me on the show today. Um, <laughs> but yes, that's me. I, I, I hang out in my basement, smoke cigars, probably a year or two away from a heart attack, uh, which I think would be a great idea if we're doing a podcast when it happens. But no, guys, I appreciate you inviting me on. I'm glad you enjoyed the film. I really appreciate everybody that's watched it. I hope they get a chance to... What I would do is, if you're more into comedy, watch Bad Ben, watch Bad or Ben. If you want to see the whole package, watch Bad Ben, Steelmanville Road, and then Bad or Ben. So, some people have often asked me, what order should I watch them in? And I'm not even sure, but I do appreciate you guys taking the time to have me on today. And I appreciate everyone that listened, and hopefully I see you on Facebook. Absolutely, and you can find Bad Ben at badbenmovie.com where you actually have a store, you can purchase t-shirts, you can actually get all four DVDs, which is Bad Ben, Steelmanville Road, Badder Ben, and the 30-minute making all in one shot and at a very reasonable price, by the way, if I may add. But yes, we'll definitely see you on Facebook. Next time you're live, we'll all say hi. Thank you so much for coming on. Hang on the line for a second. Uh, and, and again, thank you for coming on the show. Everybody, that was the special bonus episode of We Podcast and We Know Things featuring Nigel Bach of the Bad Ben Trilogy. Thank you for coming, hanging out, and we'll see you next week for episode 71.